Hi, my beautiful people. This is Spill With Me, Jenny D. Thank you so much for tuning in. I am so excited. I've been wanting to do this for so long. I'm giving you a real big hug right now. I don't know if you can feel it, but I'm giving you this big hug because I feel like everybody needs a hug or a, hey, you're doing great or you look nice or just compliment each other. I mean, see, I felt like I needed to start this because I've been running into so many people that just want to talk about their life experiences, the relationships or like any story they needed to share. This could be something magical or something they wanted to share, but they're afraid of what others would think, me included. Or if you're hurting inside or have a funny story about life lessons you'd like to talk about, I would love for you to reach out. This could be the worst or your best times. Listen, I have some good topics. We're going to have a lot of fun because I believe the best medicine is to talk about it because someone else is dealing with the same shit. Hi, my beautiful people. Thank you so much for joining me on Spill With Me, Jenny D. I I actually cannot believe I am sitting here, actually sitting here looking into someone's eyes who is a very great individual. I mean, the stories and the things that he has overcome. I mean, please, you know, welcome me with this special special guest today. This incredible, inspirational individual was a former running back for the Pittsburgh Steelers for eight years and played for the Chicago Bears. He's an inspirational keynote speaker on ESPN Analyst. He's an award-winning author, a fabulous father, and a cancer survivor. I mean, I could go on and on about this person. (laughs) So before, you know, I know my listeners are wondering, who is this person? He's the one and only. He's Merrill Hodge. Hi, Merrill. How are you? Jay, I'm great. That introduction, I was like, now who else is in this room? That was, I was like, geez, that was a nice introduction. Oh, there's more to you. There's so much more to very, you. Very kind of you. And thank you for having me. I mean, taking the time out of your busy schedule, I mean, talking to you these last couple of weeks just to try to find out a time that we could do this podcast. Little Jenny D, podcaster from the South Hills, is talking to the one and only Merrill Hodge. And I don't know if you guys know about all the things that Merrill Hodge has done, but we're today we're going to focus on his book about brainwashed so if you could just kind of give us a little backstory about why you wrote that book and what has happened to you well um that's that that embodies a lot uh, quite honestly Uh, a bunch of things encompassed and drove me there first of all people wanted me well first of all the way my career ended okay my career the way my career ended is completely misunderstood from a media perspective. Um, so most people are misunderstand my, how my career ended because they hear it from the media. A concussion did not end my career. If a concussion would have ended my career, then I would never have played again after the Monday night game when I sustained a real, a real severe one that kept me out of practice for about five days. What ended my career was improper care of that head trauma. And that's ultimately where things have gone wrong and a narrative has been created. You know, we talk about the wrong thing. We emphasize the wrong thing. Um, I should say we, Boston University created a narrative that they can't even prove, which is where it is most disturbing. So I'll get to them in a second, going back to how my career ended. My career ended because I was one of the first group of players. The, The Pittsburgh Steelers were the first professional team or sports team in the world to ever apply cognitive testing to their players to have a baseline before the season. In 1991, they did that. 
I was part of the players and part of the group to do that. So I'm part of the history and how it's evolved. I, unfortunately, because really this is not what I had planned in my career. I didn't. I didn't want to play in the National Football League so I could have my career end with right. improper care and then takes me down this road for the next you know 30 some years that is not what I want to do I want to talk about Super Bowls I won and rushing titles and things like that that's what I thought my goal was but exactly I think we I think we all know in life you know life throws some curves oh yeah you know and um you know can you stay in the batter's box and hit that curve and adjust that curve and I you know I I opted to do that with this I just didn't foresee where it was going to take me so my career gets now I'm in the Chicago Bears in 1994. They don't have baseline testing. They don't have the tools. Right. They don't have. Don't, they don't even have a neurologist on staff. The Pittsburgh Steelers hired Joe Maroon, I believe, in 19 in the 80s. I'll just say it was 87, 85, something like that. So they had an expert in that arena on their team. The Bears did not. Um, Why is that? How, Why didn't they have one? Well, yeah, a lot of it is just out of ignorance. Um, you know, keep in mind. You can't use what we know today and go and punish people Backwards, for what they yes. didn't know in 1994. That's like, uh, that'd be like the pilgrims coming back and being pissed off because there's not planes, trains, and automobiles when they went across the prairie. Right. Everybody would go, well, that wasn't around. Yes. Okay, so that, that's, how, that's how stupid it is. So don't waste your energy doing that. Exactly. Um, don't sit there and point fingers, cast blame on that by what you know today in 2022. That's just unrealistic. It's unfair. If you knew, if, if what we knew all then, back then, and then we talk, then we said that we're all okay. That's that's grotesque confidence. Now, that being said, they still were archaic in the care for head trauma, because even in that scenario, you deserve to see a some type of physician in person. In 1994, that would be not that wouldn't be extreme to say somebody that would be very standard you know you that, that was in 1994 that was a standard that you would see some a player before they returned to play right well I was cleared I was cleared over the phone I was cleared over the phone by a family practitioner he wasn't even an expert he was the family doctor he was the physician for the Bears and he asked me one question how do you feel I said I feel great now I had a splitting headache at the time I did not feel great but even I, as a player, I had no idea that was a sign or a symptom, you know, going right. back to what education we knew. He said, well, you're good to go. So that's five days later. Okay, now, what I have to um, emphasize when you think of head trauma, losing consciousness, is that a sign of, I mean, if you don't lose consciousness, can you have head trauma? That's a better way to ask. Right. Most people would say yes to that, and that's incorrect. You do not have to lose consciousness. And losing consciousness does not identify the severity of head trauma. It has nothing to do with it. It's a symptom or a sign that you've had head trauma. So let's walk through somebody who loses consciousness. Once they regain consciousness, well, it's no longer a symptom or a sign. They regain consciousness. It's no longer an issue. Right. If they don't regain consciousness, well, then the other two I'm going to talk about are irrelevant. You've got to make sure this person regains consciousness. That's all you care about. Once that does happen. These two things are, are the signs for severity of head trauma. I don't care where you are. Yeah. Keep in mind, the leading cause of head trauma in the entire country is tripping and falling. Oh, The most dangerous gosh. environment, the most dangerous environment where that is probably going to happen is the home. I would have never so guessed that. 
Not most people don't. Mm-hmm. Uh, most people don't. Shoot, I didn't know that. I mean, like I told you, I, I got thrust into a world I never dreamed I would, I would ever be able to know what I know today. And a majority of it, I've lived. So it's um, it's not something that um, you know I've studied and I have studied and learned now. But most of it, I have lived every aspect. Right, so, lived the town. So knowing that is important because if you're a parent going, well, I'm not going to let my kids play contact sports. They're going to play football, soccer, lacrosse, whatever it is. Don't put your head in the sand and think that's where it happens. Exactly. The likelihood, yes. And if you're that parent that's not letting your kids play, but they're out riding their bike without a helmet, you need to go look in the mirror and assess what you really know. Wheeled sports and wheeled activities are the leading cause of accidents, head trauma, and death to kids until they can stick piece of, uh, some keys in a car and turn it and start driving. Wheel, wheel sport, I mean, bikes, rollerblades, skateboards, right. those type of things. And if they don't have headgear on, you need to recheck what you really know. I feel and like as parents, if, though, if, we don't. If you're trying to, if you're really trying to protect your, your kids, or you're doing it out of ignorance, you're doing it because you heard it on the news. Because That's I can true. tell you this for 100% certainty, what we're talking about, if you know all of your information from the news, and, or you read it, or somebody told you about it, there's a 99.9% success rate that you have no concept of the truth because if you can't and haven't read, and I always throw the 99.9% because there could be that one doctor or, shoot, it could be, you don't have to be a doctor either. You don't have to have a PhD or an MD to do this. Right. You might be that one person that's been inquisitive enough to go read the scientific literature. It's the only way you can know the truth. Right. It's the only reason I know that from 100% certainty, I'm that guy. I was in the 99.9%. I'm listening to all this stuff. It wasn't until I read the scientific literature did I get clarity and that I really understood the facts. Now, I'll, get, I'll come to that in a second, going back to... Uh, yeah. It's hard, though, because oh, a lot of parents, Merle, they don't... I mean, not that... I guess we are left in the dark. Should we be looking at these things before our kids enter any sports? Or should we be looking at this as a parent said riding a bike or anything like that? We need to know the signs. Well, listen, every parent needs to do their research and their work before they allow kids to be involved in any sport or any activity. You know, like... and. Like, it's easier for me in sports because I've lived in sports, I've done sports. Sometimes it's hard for parents because they, you know, they, they don't know that world, you know. And I identify with that. My daughter was in theater. You know, she was... That was mine. She loved the stage. Mm-hmm. And she was... So I had to learn a lot about that. And I found out, you know, Broadway stuff, especially probably if this is everywhere, because she was on in New York. She went to Broadway. No way. It's a dirty, it's a dirty world. I mean, it's a dirty world behind the scenes. It's a rough world. Having that, um, having that, that learning curve, you know, right. what do you do? I had to, I had to do, you know, you reach out to people who've lived in that world that you have connections with if you have that. Um, one thing about, well, this is, well, quite honestly, that's why I wrote the book Brainwash, to help parents with the facts, give them, because let's go back to the scientific literature. A, a, most people probably don't know how to get there, you know. Right. You'll have, and, and don't Google it. The scientific literature doesn't pop up when you Google it. Right. Because... This is this is what people do. They Google it and then they read a Sports Illustrated or a New York, or a New York Times article, which is one hundred percent garbage because they never even read the scientific literature. So how could they possibly? Yeah, they're regurgitating all of the garbage that Boston University spewed, and all they did is contradict, lie, 
or abuse and misuse their own scientific research. So which is unfair. Disturbing because a lot of them have MDs, so they crucify the Hippocratic Oath. Right. We look at MD and we think, oh, they know what they're talking about. Right. And, and I was doing an interview one time, and this guy on the radio, legitimately, he was in a fair assumption. He's like, shouldn't we believe him? Mm-hmm. Why can't we trust him? I was like, well, that's the danger in it. And that is exactly why I say they crucify the Hippocratic Oath and they, it's deplorable and harmful to people. Right. They have signed something to do no harm. To lie about your science, to misrepresent your science, is disturbing. And Anne McKee has done that enormously. She continues to do that. Every time she opens her mouth or steps on, on camera, which I just saw on ABC piece the other day, talking about the soccer player who had CT. Okay, first of all, CT is not even a disease. CT is an observation state, still scientifically. That is where it is. That's where it stays to this point. Anything from research, I mean, anything learned or discovered needs to be in a research component. Facility or... That's the only place it can be. It cannot be you if you use it. Merle, when you're saying CT, when you're saying CT, my listeners might not know what that means. Are you talking about CTE? Well, yeah, sometimes CT is chronic... Traumatic encephalopathy. You know, so you know, I can't, pronu- I can't pronounce that. <laughs> well, I mean, so, but most people hear the word CT, and they say, and, and people have said, the Boston University people said that football players, all football players, have it. That's Anne McKee actually said that, which is <sighs> atrocious to say something like that. Why would you say that? Um, and keep know. in mind that when she said that, she was asked comment on the scientific paper that she had just done called the Spectrum of Disease paper. She authored the paper in the conclusion. Here's what you, if you can read, then you can read scientific literature. And the two areas that are most important when you read scientific papers, because they can be in, I, I, know, some, I, mean, I never read them, i got to be honest. Most people don't. Most yeah. people don't. But they can be very boring, and they can be overwhelming, and you can be very hard to understand. But there's two areas that are pretty clear that would help you and all your listeners to really understand what the paper was about. It is methodology. Methodology is very important. It's how they went about getting their the information, their answers. Yeah. What is it that their conclusions? And you know, when you read that, sometimes I mean, there's, there's a lot of papers. The majority of papers in this arena, you read it and you're like, oh my gosh! If this is in high school, they'd flunk you. Right. They wouldn't even let you do this kind of garbage. How are they so getting away with it? How are they getting? They do away? papers. They do papers like this. They they define how a player's mood and emotions were, who's dead, by asking somebody who was a relative of theirs questions like this: Did they ever get angry? Who did? Who in the world has never gotten angry? <laughs> right. Okay. This doesn't were make they sense. Ever upset. And after they say, "Oh yes, yes, yes," and like, "Oh boy, they had all the symptoms." Uh-huh. See, check, check, or, check. Or even this is worse. And this is in methodology because they had to tell. They read the obituary. It is so oh. disturbing how they go about research. But if you read the methodology, you can find it. So you throw that paper away. That's 100% trash. But going back to the paper where she said that she was quoted as having, all, play, all football players must have, it was the spectrum of disease paper that she authored. So she wrote it. I'm not going to get into methodology, but that was just short of garbage. It's the conclusion that really now becomes important. In the conclusion, it states, I'm going to paraphrase this, but this is very close to what it says. You cannot use this scientific literature that we just did to give anybody any, any sense, any sense of disease in living athletes and military. Right. Because 
the methodology and what we did was such garbage. You just can't give anybody any sense. That the word is any sense of degree. Okay. Any sense of degree. So you can't make an assumption. You should be, can't do that. It's right. in the conclusion. You cannot do that. She wrote it. Yeah. It's her paper. She says, oh, i got to believe all football players have it. After she's asked about what her research says. That doesn't make sense. Well, this is, okay, it's disturbing on a bunch of parts. First of all, she would say it. Okay, she's, a, she's just killed the Hippocratic Oath. She has done deplorable and harmful things to people by saying something that's not true. She can't prove, and she would probably never be able to prove. Right. And then it's, it's troublesome that the journalist who asked the question didn't read the paper himself or herself and follow up with the question, well, and that's not what the conclusion said. Which one is it? Right. And why would you lie to us? Yeah. You didn't get that journalistic perspective. So that's how the narrative You got to face her. That, give, that's how, give us the facts. That's how, that's how we've got to this narrative, right. unfortunately. So we have parents running around scared to death when I don't want to listen. I'm a parent. I mean... Well, yes. When you became a parent, Meryl, with your kids, did you see sports differently of when you played, or did you? No. Well, actually, well, yes, I did. I, I thought how much better I'm going to be able to create an environment for my kids. At the end of the day, I've always believed that it's all our responsibilities that we break chains and don't pass them on, especially things that are not positive and influential for kids um, in sports. When I was in youth football, okay, this is what we would do literally every day. We would tackle our coaches. Our coaches were the runners. <laughs> now, we loved it. We wanted to take our coaches out. <laughs> could you imagine? No. Could you imagine? Could you imagine that I am running around with the football my kids are trying to tackle me? <laughs> or or any, any environment like that. People no. lose their minds. People right. would completely lose their minds. Oh, yeah. We really had to have any type of instruction. That's why I use this stuff today. When you think of instruction, what you had back when we played, we had poor instruction, if any. Right. Our, equip, our equipment was paper mache to what we have today. Oh, my The helmet gosh. is 100 times better yes. today than it was 10 years ago. And then there was absolutely no protocol, steps for removal, or steps to care for head trauma. None. Yeah. So now, think about this, because Canada's you know, got this same issue with hockey. If you throw Canada in here, and, and, and the United States, and you take just football and hockey, okay, forget lacrosse, soccer, all that other, right. all the other sports, you have over a billion people who have played in those conditions under those environments you're one I'm one if right. you played soccer if you did anything like that you have over a billion people to select from this doesn't this doesn't just happen in the National Football League which is another thing that's oh disturbing. yes talk I mean, about that this, this quite honestly ends the whole discussion right you knew this one third of the cases in the medical journal that exist that have this pattern CD over one third never played a sport in their life Never had a concussion or head trauma in their life. And some of them are under the age of three, but they have the same pattern. Wow. Well, right there, that takes away football. Right there, though. Like you, takes away you all don't sports. Have football. Yeah. You don't have every sport. You have anything to blame it on. You have anything to point a finger at. Right. Keep on, you're pointing at a finger, but you don't have the evidence to support that, which is disturbing. Yeah. And so what I try to do is I tell people all the time, it's easier to fool people than to convince them they've been fooled. I'm not interested in changing your mind. If you believe that, if you want to believe that, if you want to rob your kids of opportunities because of that, that's that's your prerogative. Right. Um, I would think in all fairness, 
if you're going to do that to your child, if you do that to people, you better have all the information in front of you and looked at it fairly before you make that decision. Because right. then you're not being you're not you're irresponsible. Merrill, tell if you us. Want to just make that assessment, then that's fine. But um, to sit there and, and no other other information and not acknowledge it and not work on it or or learn about it right. becomes a problem. And we you uh, we talked about this and you geez, you educated me so much on youth sports when you were coaching football. I think it was your son on the team. You had a player. You were telling me off camera that um, you knew it was like a head injury, but they still... Tell us that story. Well, and I had learned the value of having protocols in place and the importance of introducing it to kids and saying, hey, listen, football's a tough game for tough people. It's also a very intelligent game for smart people. So it's okay. It's a great blend, actually, to be smart and tough. We want to be smart. So if we have an injury, like of any injury, we're going to take care of it. We want to address it, take care of it. So I made, that's when I introduced protocol for head trauma. If you're to have some type of head trauma, here's what happens. We're going to remove you immediately. If you have something, and I gave them all the symptoms that they need to be, or signs, could it be head trauma? You need to you let me know that. We're going to remove you. You're not going to return to play. Because see, that's what was happening. Two things were happening back then. A tough thing. Oh, he's got to be a tough guy. he got to be tough. Okay, that's, I agree with that. Right. But let's also be, let's also be smart. smart. Okay, let's not be tough and stupid. Okay, tough and smart is what we're looking for. Got one hand, so, one brain. So they, you know, so that's what was the, you know, this, this tough module thing that you had to overcome. You know, that's why I went to the Pentagon actually to help the military. But that's a sidebar, but they even were struggling with that. So how can we get over that? The best way is introduce it at a young age where it's part of the arena. Listen, they're about seven and eight years old when I do this. I don't have, a, I don't get have a head trauma concussion until age 13. I had my first one, and it was a kid that, well, I knew all my kids, but he got up, and I saw a little wobble in him. I'm like, that's not good. So, boom, bring him out, sit him out. Didn't practice, but came to practice. So this the Saturday before the game, guess who comes up to me and says, oh, he feels great. He's been running around. He's happy. Mm-hmm. I didn't see any problems with him. Mm-hmm. Um, his mom. Mom, yeah. I mean, that, I mean, it just tells you right there where we are today with moms and I'm just saying I'm not saying that a mom doesn't want to be protective I mean I had my mom was protective I'm protective of my my kids but she was the one who wanted to know to play and I told myself this I'm, I'm, everything you're telling me is exactly what I want to hear but he ain't playing and the only reason I did it God, he can play next week but he ain't playing this week and the only reason I did that in 2003 because I did it on limited knowledge here's what I, I learned from like guys like Joe Maroon with the Steelers to Dr. Cummings, brilliant minds across the planet, even up in Canada. I didn't just stay with one resource. I went all kinds Surgeon. of resources. When, we're have, when we have head trauma in sports, like I go, what is, especially for kids, you know, I'm talking seven to 14, what is like the, the framework of rest that is you find most important for kids? You know, the, the one thing was removal right away. That, that's the most important thing still to this day, removal, identifying and removing, identifying and removing. Right. Your chances of recovery and quick recovery are immense if we do that. That's why when you know you've had something, you should report it because the chances of... And you don't want to play with head trauma. That, that's not safe. That is very dangerous. But when you remove yourself and you go through the proper steps of care that exist today, well, shoot, you could be back maybe before a week, all right, because of mm-hmm. the treatment that you have now, the rehab process. Okay, well, back then it was like, 
boy, a two week window is your say, you know, you can really protect kids if you did that two week window. In fact, when I was at Congress in 2008, I spoke on that and I gave that framework as to how many weeks a kid should be out. But that's just because what we knew then. I mean, everything has, that has changed now because we have, that's why I'm involved with a company and help them called Sportgate. You know, it's a concussion right, mental yes. health app that helps families, youth programs, people that don't have an understanding about head trauma of the steps, you know, but removing and, and help guide them through symptoms, how to get care, how to follow the treatment or rehab, the steps for, to return back to play. It helps you with that whole process. Are you so talking to, yeah, right. Are you talking to coaches too? Well, yeah, we do it in everything, but it's like I said, I mean, this could be part of a family plan. We have it in hospitals because the fall, uh, tripping and falling in your home is the most dangerous. Part. That's going to happen more than any. You could take all the sports in the United States of America times it by five, and you're not going to come close to tripping and falling in the home environment. It's true. So that, that's why that's why taking your kids out of sports or not letting them be in sports is not going to make them free of ever having head trauma. They can slip in right. the shower, trip on the stairs, fall off the trampoline. I mean, we, we could go on and on about the things that could happen and do happen day, on a daily basis. Do you suggest that the um, parents should take the kids to a doctor if they think it could be a concussion? Absolutely. Okay. Because uh, no, they're diagnosing. What, that's what the app, well, that's what it, the, the app helps you with. It helps you evaluate, and then it gets you to, from a telemedicine aspect, either get you to telemedicine aspect, what we try to do is help you not go to an ER because an ER is not an expert. All they're going to make sure is you're not going to die, stabilize you, and then get you to an expert. Now you've just spent right. two grand on something that you really didn't get a protocol or care for or a specialist. So within the app, we try to get you to a specialist for your evaluation. So you, yes, can you, know, you can download it. You can download the app. Yeah, the app helps you with proper evaluations, identifying and evaluating. And then if those steps they get to a doctor yes then you get to a provider okay and then you let that provider take over and then that provider uses that app and you and it's, and it's an ecosystem so the mom the pair everybody's involved you watch the patient as they get better um, and as they start to recover and then once they're clear they can return back to their environment and i say environment because it's not just sports it could be you know, right. to jump on the trampoline and run around the house you know with mom. it's better to live i use this example all the time I, I built a home in Arizona when I went to Chicago, and um, and we had a pool. I guess to live in Arizona, you have to have a pool. I swear to you, it's like nobody doesn't have a pool. When summer's coming around, the f- there's a whole week of constant like pool advice, safety, oh, yeah. and then they revisit all the deaths that happened in the previous years. So I did. I followed every protocol. I had every bell and whistle on the pool, the doors. My kids were one and three got them to swimming lessons. I had done all the things but one. I didn't know how to do CPR. Ooh. So I, like at nights I would be like, oh my gosh, I pray that nothing, you know, if I have to do CPR, I'm like, I, you know, Kyle, please, please. I, right. So I'm like, I'd done all the steps but the one. I was not comfortable. I was not comfortable. Um, I was uneasy. I was living in fear. And one day I took my kids to this, their instructor and I just mentioned to her, I go, you know what? The CPR thing, you know, how would I do that? You know, find out. She goes, oh, we do CPR. We can, you know, one drop off the kids and you learn CPR. So anyway, that's what I do. Yes. So what I do is I become educated and equipped to handle anything Any situation, that yeah. Now, all that, it, it gave me great peace that I was equipped and I had the tools. Does it mean it's not going to happen? Absolutely not. 
But you would have to get certified, though, because when they're infants, when they're little, the way you do CPR and then when they become older and older. Right. It's all different. But right. you got to be right. So, but I, I became certified. But what I'm saying is when I wasn't certified, I was living in fear. So what we don't yeah. want to do with people with head trauma, live in fear. Educate yourself on, first of all, how to value, how to look for it, how to identify it, things to talk to your kids about, removal from it steps to evaluate and then steps to care if they need it and that that app helps you with that process so then you can get to the right care you get the right uh recovery and treatment before they return you do all of that right it's head trauma is never going to be like any other injury i mean but the processing is you can heal you can recover and you will recover and you can return back to play it's when we don't care for it that we run we run into danger. Right. And, you know, my question is, you know, and I'm as a mom with two boys in sports, I, how do you know part of their brain, if they get hit in the front or the sides or in the back, is there like a injury that's worse with your head? I mean, I know that well, sounds off, but I, I just worry. I, and, it's a good question. It's a fair And question. if they get a bump, like a bump comes out? Well... Well, anytime you have a contusion, that's a completely different thing. Right. You know, a contusion to the to the head. There's different components that are involved in that process. Well, let's put it this way. And most people don't know this. 80% of your most critical development of your brain is done by age five. Your brain is not fully developed till age 25. Oh, I didn't know so, that. That's interesting. Most people don't. So when Boston University says it's okay to start playing contact sports at age 14, the moronic statement of that is compounded immensely for a couple reasons. One, then you clearly don't understand, and then you're doing this based on your so-called science that um, kids seven to 11 shouldn't play contact sports because they're gonna have issues later in life cognitively because of the development that's going on. Okay, so 14 to 17 or 18, around 18 or 19, could be 18 or 19, but it starts at 14. There is an area of the brain called the amygdala area. It leaves on the right side of the brain, responsible for a lot of emotions. One of them is anger. You're okay to play now contact sports when you have just ran through the most important thing. If you even coached, you knew the anatomy, you wouldn't even walk down this age limit. Puberty. I got kids that go from 105 to 165 in a year. Oh, yeah. I've tw- seen that. 11 and 12. Then we get to 13 and 14. I got there in diapers here. Now they're shaving here. I mean, that quick. <laughs> I know. It's okay. so fast. So when I when I heard that from them, I'm like, okay, they, they, they don't know. They know nothing about sports. Right. They know nothing, and they don't know anything about the anatomy. They don't even know about the thing that they're supposed to call experts at. Your brain is still developing that. It's okay to start playing then. When the, Guess what now? Now we're 165. Yeah. The collisions are much more severe. It's the only time I've ever seen concussions between 7 and 14. It's 13 and 14 right. when they hit puberty and all of a sudden they started popping the pads. 7 to 11, there's just not enough energy and force. Can it happen? Yes. A lot of times it's usually kid trips and falls and hits the back of his head. That's usually right. when it happens. It's not really, I've never seen it on a collision. doesn't mean it can't happen. You said it happens I've never in seen practice. It. And I went, well, I went through thousands and thousands of kids from 7 to 14 too. So I know the differences. I was coached for almost 20 years of those levels and beyond. So... I've just been a parent that coached his son for seven years. I've coached thousands of kids in training in many in, in football camps at every level for 20 years doing that. I've seen thousands and thousands of kids. I know how to do drills. I've seen drills. I've seen what happens. So when I hear that from them, which is a narrative that got created, you know, don't play till you're 14. 
nobody knows. If you knew about mm. the brain development and all the staging that goes on and then puberty hitting, you would just common sense. I would hope people would go, wow, this doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense at why all. Would they, why would they say that? Right. I've never, well, you know what? I've never listened to that. They don't know what they're saying. They don't know what they're talking about. And none of the stuff they say they can prove. At the end of the day, that's what it comes down to. This is one thing about this subject. Yeah. This is true in everything. Integrity. Everybody gets exposed for integrity at some point. I'd rather get exposed for having it yes. than not having it. And in this case, there's not one thing I have said to you. There's not one piece of research I have just mentioned that I cannot forward to you. If you have listeners go, oh, I'd like to read that paper. I'll send it to you. I forward the, the spectrum of disease paper. Right. Age of exposure paper, the age of exposure paper, which I was just talking about, which they use this hit count. Keep in mind, they used it in an exterior monitor in the helmet. Now go to methodology. When you read the methodology, in the methodology, they counted every time the sensor went off. Okay. They even refer to it because they in the paper, you have to document all the stuff. They were astounded at all the collisions kids were having before practice. I'm like, <laughs> If you knew anything about coaching, if you ever did it, they don't have their helmets on. There's those two <laughs> kids that put their helmet on, they ain't never taking it off. Right. The rest of them, helmets, the helmet's on the ground, they're tripping over it, I'm stumbling over it, I'm telling them to pick their helmet up. Yeah. And the other area of very big concern before they're practicing, a lot of collisions are happening. Right. Well, as soon as I heard that, as soon as I read that, I'm like, okay, well, when you're stretching and you're teaching kids, especially seven to nine, how to do a sit-up, what are they doing? They're grabbing their face mask, boom, boom, hitting their head on the ground. Yes. And I tell you, you correct them to get their hand across the chest and do the proper way to do a sit-up. Right, but they're still... They counted every one of those collisions in that paper. And then what did they say? What did they say about the paper? Now, if you read the methodology, you'd be like, this is atrocious. Right. You're making... A, you're making you're making collision calculations without the helmet on the kid. Think yeah. about how grotesque that is. You're calculating that. You're calculating for warm-ups and making it an emphasis of collision. And you, this is what you tell parents. Your kids are taking thousands of collisions every season in football. And every time a collision happens, every time one of these sensors went off, your kid's brain's moving. Right. Okay, there's, okay first of all, I've even, I've cut brains. I've brought brains out of buckets. I've done. Oh my gosh, man. I've, I've done autopsies for brains. Okay, so. You are like a, is, an expert. Our brain is. Now, I did it for this reason so that I could speak about it. Right. I could see it. I had a bunch of questions. I'm like, is our brain really full? Around? Our brain is the most protected organ we have. First of all, our brain, you know, as we're living, the best way to describe it would be like, um, like firm bread dough. Like, like a firm bread dough, you know? Okay. It's not sloshing around. Right. Then it's got dura, dura wrapped around it to secure it down. Then plasticity, which is kind of like, you know, a cushing. And then it's skelt- um, a, skelt- a skull. And then muscle. We have muscle around to protect. So it's the most protected organ. Now, can it move? Sure. With massive impact, that's how you get a concussion. Right. Does it? But it's not jiggling around. If that was the case, I couldn't do this. <laughs> I couldn't jog. Yeah. I couldn't go on a trampoline. Right. I couldn't go on a roller coaster ride. Because when you look at other research that has been done with an intern, internal monitor, a mouth guard, which I put on my players, so I got to see what a true monitor does in a professional environment, pro-type players, in 50, first of all, we had no 
mouthpiece go off during practice. Okay. And we didn't do any live contact, but we did do, we do a lot of blocking and getting off blocks and getting to the front, but we don't do live tackling. So we're playing physical and live in a sense. So we're, we're colliding with one another. Nothing went off. There's no sensor. When you look at our sensors, an internal sensor versus an external sen- sensor, mm-hmm. then you get the true story. In fact, 80% of the collisions, even at the youth level, were equivalent to a pillow fight. To a pillow fight, right? That, that that they used, Boston University used all of those pillow fight uh, markers as your kid's brain is moving. Right. Your kid's brain is being affected like that. It's atrocious. It's, it's a. I mean, it is. The science world, you know, science doesn't lie, but people lie, right? And people abuse science and misuse science, and and that's where the ultimate problem is. If you hold people accountable for their science work, exactly, you hold. But if we went in now, we're in a court of public. We're we're in a court of public opinion, and I understand I am too. So if we ever got to a court of law, everything that I'm saying right here is exactly what I would say in the court of law. Oh, right. What what they have said. They couldn't say anything, what they said like that in the court of law, because the first thing that would be asked, prove that. And McKee, you just said, over, can you prove that? Right. You would get uh, 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 all these collisions. Uh, brains are moving. Can you prove that? Uh, uh, in the court of law, whole different story. Court of public opinion, they say what they want. And then that's why people get fooled. Is well, that yeah. you have just you know, foul, evil people that do that. That you know that is terrible. And I know we were talking off camera about different sports and how you were saying that when they do the statistics, if you think about a team of um, soccer players, there's only maybe about twenty, but when you have a football team, there's like what over a hundred kids. Well, it, yeah. So what you're talking about is a statistic. You know, yeah. my people will use. Okay, football has more. Let's say more. This this is. I know this article happened a couple years ago. Uh, more concussions in football than any other sport. I'm like, well, wait a minute. How many players are on a football team? Right. I mean, well, I'll use something that was more concrete. The NCAA came out in 2015, and they did this. It is a pie chart. They showed all the concussions that happened in sports. Now, the first thing I noticed, every sport's represented. Every, every sport. sport, yeah. That's not what the media grabs and talks about, Okay. The number with the most concussions was football. The number of right. incidents that, that happened. But if you do the math right, okay, that's just that's right. The, what we call the denominator. That's how many numbers concussions happened. What's the numerator? How many players are on a football team? A hundred. Right. How many team? How many people are on a basketball team? Maybe fifteen. How many are on wrestling? Maybe fifteen. How many are on soccer? 2030? Okay. So, if yeah, you do the math right, exactly. and you take numerators and denominators and you do your math right, leading cause of head trauma, incident-wise, women's basketball. <sighs> then, no, no, I'm sorry, wrestling. Wrestling. wrestling okay, was wrestling was wrestling one. Wrestling was one. Women's basketball was two. Soccer, three. Football, four. Wow. I mean... But they don't, you know, and, and, and that, that's, that's the media run with that, and then that's people, you know, they believe it. Right. You know, instead of going, hey, wait a minute now. Is that we're really, not you know, educated. I, right. I don't think we're well, educated we, enough to know. Well, we just, we, we believe too much in, and this is, this is where um, in cases like this, in situations like this, you cannot trust. When anything you hear science-wise, let me just use this. Anytime you hear science, science-based, science, science, go read the scientific literature. It's the only right. way you can know the truth. 
do not trust the media, do not trust an article, do not trust, I don't care what the reporter is, says, or does. When I launched my book, I went from New York to California. I would hit every station I could possibly hit in this entire country, including Canada. Everybody, every reporter I went to sit down and talk to about my book. Two things I would ask them before. Did you read my book? And you've read the scientific literature that we're going to refer to. All of them. No. So this, this reporter is going to talk to me about a book he or she has never read. They now are going to supposedly talk about the scientific literature he or she has never read. Right. I was just like... <laughs> the grotesque... They're not doing their job. You, They're not doing their job. No. Well, and then, that, actually, it's not really not their fault. It's the people who hire them and say it's okay. That's where it goes. Just read from the, the telephone. The people are hiring them right. doing them. You're allowing that. So, but... Anyway, getting back to this, you know, I wrote the book so parents wouldn't live in fear. You would have all of the information to give yourself a complete a complete understanding so you can make a very balanced decision. I don't know many people who make good decisions out of fear, okay? Right. I don't know anybody. I mean, I've lived in fear and done things out of fear, and I'm like, oh, if I'd have known A and B and been a little more calm, I'd have sure made a better decision. I'm going back to the pool thing. You know, I couldn't. I just couldn't make good decisions. I was. I was so worried about it till I became educated and empowered, and I had all the tools into place. Exactly. Okay you have to educate I, yourself. I, and, and I had to execute it one day on my son. Oh my god! I, I found floating in the pool, <gasps> which I didn't mention. So oh, but I, got, I reacted. I was. I was programmed. I reacted, and I'm so um, sorry. The outcome ended up being okay. But um, still, if you if you were yeah. I mean, think about that. If you weren't, you know, I mean, let's not think I, about the I'm outcome. I'm not think about it because... But um, look at you, but you it know? Is a, it is a confirmation of why you don't want to live in fear, why you want to educate yourself, and why you want to empower yourself with all the tools that you possibly can, especially in something that, um, in this environment, you know, it sounds so doom and gloom. And I, and it hits on at the end of the day, you don't, and nobody wants to have head trauma. I mean, I didn't want my career to end for this. I didn't want my son to ever have a concussion when he played. And keep in mind, his first concussion, he's a freshman at BYU. He slips in the shower and hits his head. You're That's kidding. his first concussion. Oh, it's no. Not even, it, it's, it's four days before his bowl game. Oh. So he's he's ineligible to play. I, I even had somebody go, well, he didn't have it on, he didn't have it while he was playing. I'm like, it don't matter when you have it. <laughs> Oh, my gosh. Why would somebody ask you that? That's the way people think. Come on. I said, say that again. (laughs) He's like, well, it didn't happen on the football field, but irrelevant. He still has it. Irrelevant. Right. He had it five days before a game. Uh, Can't play. No. No. But it's, you know, I mean, you know, if you get people, you just get one person that, you know, becomes more educated and informed, and they make their environment better and safer for the kids, and they feel better about the choice they make. And that doesn't mean that you, they go play contact sports. I'm not saying that at all. Right, you I'm can play whatever you, you want. Have, look, you know what? You more, you're more empowered if it happens at home. Right. You can handle it better. You know, you're not going to be in fear of it. And it doesn't mean, oh, let you let, let you go. I mean, I think all, I mean, listen, there's a whole other show we could do, but. Oh yeah, um, our kids. Our kids need sports. You know, they, they do. build resilience. Resiliency. Sports builds resiliency. It helps kids confidence. Um, deal with. You know, I'll throw this out at you because you may not have heard this, but it's a big subject and it's an important one to talk about. But aces, aces is um, adult childhood experiences where adverse, sorry, adverse childhood experiences that we've had that we the things like being bullied 
death in the family, divorce, sexual abuse, physical right. abuse, mental uh, abuse. There's an, a home environment and there's an exterior environment. And the more aces one has, you know, the more issues they can have later in life. And there's science behind that. There's facts. Those are things that we should be more concerned about right. um, dealing with our kids and even ourselves. Exactly. Because I had, I, you know, and where I identified this, I lost my mom at a young age. I know that the only place I had a sanctuary, the only place I had peace, the only time I had peace was the three hours I was at football. Your mind and, was off of everything else. And had I not had that, I don't know, you know, I don't know what happens with no break, right. no freedom, uh, a place to go. It's helped me, sports have given me so many things that are life-worthy. Um, I put in my tool belt of life and done right from a coaching perspective you can do that with young kids you can really give them stuff to help them as they evolve and as they grow and they take a tool belt and go about their life's work with it not go play in the national football league you don't talk about playing in the national football league they're never going to discourage you though that's what your dream is i'll do anything i can to help you but let's teach things that can be universally used all the time and applied in so many scenarios. And that's what sports gives you, especially football. Right. And the more activities our kids are, and I just think, and coach strike. That's another thing a parent needs to look for. Is, you know, coaching is, uh, I tell people all the time, at every level, there's more bad coaching than good coaching, right. which is unfortunate. You have to educate yourself, um, you know, I'm as a coach. In, in all aspects of things, really right. in all aspects. I mean, I, I I taught my girl, my daughter in soccer. Okay, I knew nothing about soccer. <laughs> I had kids tell me, I go, okay, what are we doing here? I was like, <laughs> I go, I'm the get back. And I, so what I did, I just was the get back coach. I was the trainer. <laughs> I just, I was, that's who I was. I was taking pictures. You weren't the water and boy, right? You I fit my role. I, I water. I, I fit my role. I wasn't going to go out and teach kids how to, you know, kick the ball and how to sit. I didn't know how to do that. Right, because you, you weren't But I was learning as I was going, but I, I fit my role. I mean, I was just fine with that, you know. But Meryl, I just um, I give you so much thank credit. Thank you for having me. I mean, I, this I, I has really been very educational for me and my listeners. And I, this topic is something that I feel like, you know, talking to you, I mean, I was listening to every little word you said because I don't feel that I have not educated myself. But if, you know, people want to go out and get your book brainwashed, they can get that on Amazon or any bookstore. Yeah, they, well, they can go to MerrillHodge.com. That would be, because that um, I have all that on there. And I have research papers on too and some more okay. information to help them, you know, understand it. Um, I appreciate you, know, you helping us today. That was my pleasure. It was I mean, just, thank you for having me. It's real stuff. This is what it's all about. It's real life. Yeah. You know, we, yeah. we need to educate each other and talk about things that people don't want to talk about. Like, my kid's fine. They're tough, like you said before. Now, yeah, your quote, good. the live right. a dream and fight to live is... Yep. Well, you know, that's where, you know, these words I might have, find a way. Um, right. They've, they've inspired action my entire life. They they drove, they were an instrumental part of writing Brainwashed. I, I never thought in a million years. If you'd have said 15 years ago I was going to write two books, I'd laugh at you. I, I can hardly <laughs> read. Cause I, and that is, that is the truth. I have a reading disorder. Yeah. I, I, I struggle reading. If I don't read, I don't even want to. I mean, I got never used a teleprompter at ESPN. And let, well, Ooh. I take that back. Look at you most now. People don't, no, well, most people don't know this. I actually was the first host at ESPN to launch fantasy football. No, ah, years. look at that. They wanted, a fo- they wanted a football person to do it with the two analysts that we had at the time. And um, 
so they asked me to do it. And I'm like, sure. And as soon as I did, I was like, oh my gosh, I got a teleprompter. Like, oh my, I was like, so I called my producer. I was like, hey, listen, I can't read very good. So let's make a plan. I came in early. I did a lot of work and I put bullet points to help me so that I could just find a way, find a way. I, I found a way to do it. I, so I, fooled, I fooled for a couple of years. Okay? <laughs> oh, look at you. You overcome your fears in everything you do, every aspect of your life. My goal is like people can do that too. You know, right. I'll try to get people to Confidence. understand you. You have the two greatest tools known to mankind. Every You do, every, your listeners do, and that is your mind and your spirit. So you have to start out and ask yourself, do you control your mind or does your mind control you? And our minds... I love this. Can be a, they're a powerful tool. Mm-hmm. Now, one of the best ways I've ever learned to control my mind is I write things down where I see them. Like I'm in my office where I start and end my day. And goals that I have, things that I'm striving for, I see them every day. So I am never free of what my what my objective is. And that helps me. It helps me stay right. on course. And, and there's a whole other bunch of things I apply to when I speak. I, I mention it. I'm not going to bore now because we don't have time. But, um, <laughs> no, there's so much I, more I, I to people, you. Well, they're in charge. People are in charge. Yes. Don't, don't give give in to what somebody might say. Society. Or, or right. how hard it is. You're in charge. Do it. Don't forget that. You're in charge. You take charge. You know, and in this subject, you're take take charge. You don't go live in fear. Go read. Be be skeptical. And I'm saying be skeptical of me. Go, does he really know what he's talking about? Verify it. Really? I, I encourage you to do that. I want you to do that because in the process you'll be like, Oh, I didn't know that. <laughs> I know. You learn something. Well think about it go, like oh. as a parent, you know, I would never think to read your book. Because I was like, oh, you know, that's for guys to read. It's about sports. It has nothing oh, to do no. with me. It's, it's, my, it's about parents. And it's a lot. lot of moms. Right. Because mom, mom, moms are a big, the biggest role in this whole thing. Right. They're, you know, and they, like, they don't want their kids to be hurt. I am all for you. Mm-hmm. I am all for that. I don't want my kids hurt. These are our babies. Go, why did you want, I mean, why did you let your son play football? Because I go, are you scared of having a concussion? I go, absolutely not. Because I know exactly what I'm going to do if he does. Right. I know the process, and I know the procedure, and I'm going to take about a harm's way. Okay? Can, yeah. We ain't living in fear. Okay, My kid wants to play. Bo wanted to play. I mean, I think the day he was born, I was like, and this is just the other thing. Some kids are just meant to play it. Right. Millions are meant to play. It's not for everybody. Right. I, I mean, I had a lot of parents. I said, listen, I, I don't think this is for your son. I just <laughs> oh, really don't. That's hard like, for them to take. Like, well, because I, I talked to him. He was like, I don't want to be here. I'm like, okay, where would you like to be? And he'd tell me, but he would like to be here. And I'm like, let him go do that. Like, yeah. he'd be grateful he has a passion. Feed that passion. I know it's not yours. Right. Don't push a kid into something that he'll, he'll be. He'll be. He'll be better served. I go. This is hard for me. All right. It's hard to keep these kids all aligned and teach them a game when they love it. When they don't. Oh geez. Oh gosh. Dang, you're you're asking for a lot, man. Oh yeah. Um, I do. I, do. Right. I am just so excited that you came on little Jenny D podcaster. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm proud of you for starting this. And oh. you, like you said, it's your passion. I hope it continues to grow. Hopefully well, you'll get me back on. We are definitely, uh, later, definitely. The There's a lot to talk about with you, Merle. And I feel like you can really help people. And that's what this is all about. And I appreciate all the time that you have spent trying to help me with this. I mean, giving I'm back pleasure. to people. I, I just really, I, I just find you 
you so inspiring. Uh, your life is well, thank just you. full of Jenny, it. I'm a product of a lot of people. So if I can <laughs> in some way help somebody else, then I'm giving back. Yes. And ultimately, that's your greatest feeling when you can help other people. And it is. Because you know what it was like. I know what it was like when somebody helped me. And right. I'm like, geez, that's, I'm, in, I'm, in, I'm indebted to them for their time they spent for me. So I yep, um, giving back. think about that a lot. Giving back. Think about that a lot. So. Well, thank I look you. forward to your watching yes. your you you grow and as you thank grow, you. keep me keep me posted. Oh yeah, I will. Thank you for joining me on Spill with Me, Jenny D. Take care. Thank you so much for joining me with Spill with Me, Jenny D. You can be anonymous, planning on having guest speakers or anyone who wants to share their life experiences on the topic we covered that week. I'm going to post all that on my Facebook and website so you will see what I'll be talking about that week. So give me a call. I can pre-record and put you on my, my episode that day. I stress this. I personally feel to heal yourself is to talk about it. And if we can help each other instead of keeping it bottled up and just release it, I think that it's going to help all of us. And let's have a lot of fun. I can't wait to hear from you guys. Oh, I'm so excited. This is still with me, Jenny D.